Welcome to another episode of Business Source, the show that gives you authentic conversations to help your business. There's no smoke and mirrors. It's just real people sharing their experiences. I'm your host, Lee Nightingale, and today we're going to talk about taking financial control with Stuart Hudson. Uh, Stuart Hudson is co-founder in AAG Wealth Management and also a uh, chartered financial planner. Uh, so, Stuart, thank you for joining us today. I'm really excited to hear your experiences from the last six months uh, and uh, some nice tips and tricks that you got for, got for people. Um, so, yeah, uh, well, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Lee. Appreciate the, uh, the invite. Fantastic. Now, of course, everyone, we have to do the age-old disclaimer that whilst we are talking about taking financial control, uh, this is not what's considered financial advice, people. So don't base your uh, your future and, and current uh, investment around the information we hear today. This is just uh, two people having a chat about what we've experienced over the last six months and things that we've done as individuals, as, as, as people, uh, as business owners, the responsibilities we have. Uh, the things that we've done with, with, with to help our members of staff and we'll just generally what we're seeing with clients and, and, and what they're doing. So again, this is not financial advice. So Stuart, um, with that, uh, it'd be really great to just get a very brief overview of AAG, what you're about, your values and um, uh, the service that you try to, to, to deliver to your clients. Yeah, sure. Well, um... You know, again, thank you for, for having me on. Um, AAG is a business uh, has been around for the last 25 years. Um, I'm actually in an office today, uh, which has not been the case for a lot of the last months. But it's quite nice to be back in the office, to be honest, just to break up uh, you know, that working from home piece that we've all had to get used to. Um, yeah. But as, as a business, um, we help as many people as we can with regards to their finances um, in a huge amount of different ways. You know. Over the years, the business has, has grown and developed as clients become more sophisticated, do more, diff more different things, need more things, um, and we try to accommodate that. So uh, really, if anyone's got a problem or a question with regards to their finances, we tend to be the first point of call, and 90 to 95% of the time, we can help. There are some things we can't help with if people want to do some exotic trading or derivatives or something that's slightly um, off the scale from a risk point of view. But in the main, we've uh, we either help clients do it or we've seen it or we understand it. Um, and so, yeah, we become a, a useful resource to to uh, to our clients. Fantastic. Uh, and for clarity, you help uh, individuals and they don't have to be high net worth individuals, you know, individuals, you know, real, real people that uh, want to make sound uh, investments where, where possible you know everything is a risk we understand that but as as an individual you know I wouldn't class myself as a high net worth I'm doing okay I might have a bit extra that uh, I can afford to uh, put at risk let's say because again that's what we are doing when we're doing investments um, so you, you, you deal with you know, individual people like me uh, individuals that are fortunate enough to be uh, in a position of, of wealth, but also, as I understand it, you help businesses as well with their employees. Is that right? 
Yeah, so um, the majority of the work we do is, is with individuals and families. Um, we can help anyone. You know, my uh, eldest client is 93. Um, my youngest client is about two weeks old. Um, you know, clients of mine had a little baby boy and they wanted to put a, a couple hundred pound a month away to, to get him started on the right footing. So, and I've got a client bank, you know, uh, with a mix of ages, mix of age, um, mix of financial resources, uh, a mix of understanding. You know, I have clients who understand finances very well, but they just need help, you know, getting it in the right sort of places. And I have clients who really struggle uh, when it comes to finances and, and need someone's help. Um, and I often joke when I'm doing uh, seminars and webinars in, in front of companies, which I'll talk about in a sec, uh, that when it comes to things like DIY, I'm terrible at it. Mrs. Hudson has a bit of a field day when I get involved. And so it's something I, I delegate. You know, I, I get someone in to help me do all that DIY that I know I'm going to make a mess of. So uh, we have a lot of different people uh, with regards to their finances. But yeah, no, no minimums, no maximums. Uh, if you need some help, then, then we kind of get involved. Sure. I think you, using that analogy, the, the key difference, I would perhaps say with, with DIYs, is, you know, if you, if you hammer a nail in, into a, a water pipe, the water comes out, you call a plumber and it comes out and fixes it. Um, if you have a go at, at investing yourself uh, and it goes wrong, there is no one to call, I'm afraid. You know, that, that money is gone. Uh, there's no... There's no backup. No, that's no, the risk. no, no, no safety. Net, exactly, and that's why you've got to be prepared to, to if you're going to do it yourself. Uh, and I'll talk about the the personal investments that, that I make uh, in, in a, later on. Um, but if you if you're not comfortable with with taking that risk, then you know always always go and consult somebody who can at least give you that legal proper advice. And again, it you know whilst at the time it, it's just advice, it's down to you. You know you've got to make that. That, that decision and the level of risk that you want to uh, to take. Because of course you can take low risk, but low return, high risk, potential high high return. Um, depends how on your comfort levels on on risk. But uh, there we go. I mean, f fascinating. And uh, you know, we can go down a whole Alice's uh, rabbit hole on on that one for sure. But bring it back advice. to not advice. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, Bring it back to, to, to your business uh, and the last six months, thinking about, wow, uh, you know, the world's gone absolutely crazy and everyone's income has taken a huge knock. I don't care which level you're at. You know, if you are, you know, fortunate enough to be a high net worth, that, you know, you're going to have taken a hit for sure. Um, so I'm curious about what you've seen within, within your industry and, and your business about, uh, over the last six months and people's activity around taking that risk in, in investments? Sure. Um, well, certainly I think from a, from a client perspective, when we talk to clients about, you know, building out a financial plan for them, we very much have the, you know, a long-term view on this. Um, if you get too uh, short-sighted in your view and you can easily stress yourself out, you know, if you're reading the papers every day, worrying about your own finances, it can be a pretty difficult place to be. So we, we try and keep clients with that, longer-term um, mindset, mm. uh, really to help get through the, the noise and the volatility that, that exists in the markets. Um, you know, our fund managers are buying businesses on the basis that they think they're going to be a good business for the next five or ten years. They're not buying it to sell it in a few weeks' time or a few months' time. They're buying it to be a good, long-term, robust business. Um, and we've seen over the, over the decades that we will have 
shocks in the market. And it's about investors being comfortable and understanding that uh, as part of the journey. So we'll have years where markets will up, go up and we'll have years where markets will go down. And you've got to get comfortable with that, with that journey. And whether it's uh, COVID-19, whether it's the dot-com um, bubble, the global financial crisis, the Iraq war, there, there's always something that's going to be around. We've got a US election coming up in November, plus Brexit. There is always something um, right. that's going to you know, create some disturbance in the market. But again, if you can keep your mindset that in 10 years time, I'm going to retire, and I need to keep putting money away for that goal, mm -hmm. then you'll be in good shape and try and stay out of the nitty gritty day-to-day -day stuff that's just going to create <clears throat> stress for you and means you think about the wrong types of things, not the long-term goal, think short-term, and then perhaps miss out on other things like looking after your family or getting on with your own job and these kind of things. So it's right. a bit of an education piece for investors about thinking long-term uh, as very much our fund managers do. Yeah, I can see that. I think let, let's not beat about the bush here. Um, you and I, uh, just for uh, clarity's perspective, you know, we're personal friends. We uh, our wives know each other very well. We play golf together. Um, so I'd rather be transparent in that way. You know, when I think about people investing money, you know, ha have I got it to lose? Don't don't I? Um, but also uh, in terms of how how much to invest, when to invest, there's going to be people that are going to make a lot of money out of this situation. You know, there's people that uh, maybe do have that extra bit of money, uh, that extra cash that they can invest and do invest themselves or choose to use someone like like yourselves to invest their money. Because there are stocks and shares out there that, you know, that have taken a significant hit. And if you take that longer term strategy, investing in the right companies in the right way can yield those longer term results right because you know when you look at the stocks literally you know a lot of them are sort of doing this and we're doing this and then come march 2020 literally everything went um and some now are gradually starting to see that little bit of a curve uh return you know whether you see a, a hockey curve a u swing or a w you know there's all these different ways of uh of analyzing it but you know there is still the potential to make some money out there so long as you understand that it's not going to be in the short term you know, putting that 100 pounds 50 pounds whatever it may be into something uh, into stocks and shares isis for example which is something i'll talk about in a minute um but knowing that it's not if you don't expect cash out of this thing in six months time you know six years maybe um but go for that longer term so you know that's that's what i've chosen to do and um uh, is that something you, you you you've seen people do they sort of switch into that stock and shares isis well certainly uh, uh you know the ISA wrap is you know extremely tax efficient we reckon you know most of our clients use it where where possible uh and it's very accessible you know if you need the money back um then you can get access to that you know money within a couple of days normally um Bank of England base rates on the floor, so you're not going to get anything for your cash. So if you've got medium to long-term savings goals, you just can't hold cash. It won't do anything. You'll lose against inflation every single year. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got to think about taking a degree of risk. And if you want to keep liquidity, uh, an ISA is a great place to start. And we often talk to you know graduates and interns when we go into companies to talk about you know finances and getting off on the right foot. 
about using things like lifetime ICES or help to buy as was uh, last year. Um, you know, you can get 20 grand away now in a ISA every tax year. Now everyone won't necessarily be able to fill up that 20,000 pounds, but it's a great place to start and be tax efficient. Um, so yeah, certainly an area for people to to have in their mindset about where do I start? Great place. Yeah, it's, it's a sorry state of affairs when when you have to say and acknowledge that uh, if you left your cash in a bank, it would probably be worth less as time goes on with all your fees and things like that if you just left it. So you're you're better off stuffing it on, under the pillow. Um, you know, it's not going to lose money that way. Obviously, there's different different risks with with that, and I'm not advocating uh, doing that. But it, it is a sorry state of affairs, and especially when, as individuals, you know, we're putting our trust in banks, putting the money in there, and they are using our liquidity, our, our money, to loan to other people, and the banks making money off that, making money off our money. Um, so that that's always been a frustration uh, of mine, but that's a whole different conversation for another time. And I wouldn't expect you as a financial advisor to get embroiled in in that conversation. But from... well, actually, we we always do recommend clients hold some cash mm. um, as part of a good uh, good financial plan. You always want to be holding some cash because if you have an emergency and you don't know what it is going to be, you know whether it's going to be you need to replace your roof or sort your car out, have an operation. You need to be able to access cash quickly um, and so we always recommend clients hold about three to six months worth of um, expenditure as cash um, and what that then means is you can start making better decisions on every other penny that comes into the account if you know you've got that money separate and you can access it whenever you like if you've got that if you've done a budget and you've got that spare hundred so pounds clarity there people still is not saying three to six months under under under, under the pillow perhaps thing is say an instant access savings account or something like that right there you go not under the pillow um yeah certainly just holding it as a liquid cash in bank accounts varieties wherever it's going to be um because then you can start making better decisions about that other 100 pounds or 50 pounds that you've got spare that month is actually right. if you've got cash set aside gives you peace of mind that you can fall back on and you've now got 50 pounds I can actually do something better with that now because I can think about I'm going to save for that car, that house, education, wedding, whatever it's going to be. I can then do something with that fifty pounds and put it somewhere that's going to work. Yeah, got gotcha. So that that brings me on um, to, to to my sort of uh, to my theories and and what I've been doing. So I mentioned that I you know put my investments to, through yourself, my my pensions uh, are, are through in your your company. So thank thank you for that life insurance etc um but from a personal investment standpoint uh you know i started dabbling in uh, stocks and shares and started with the plus 500 platform and of course there are other platforms available out there um but what i found was it was too short term it was day to day and i was getting so nervous watching those sort of share prices go up and down and you end up watching the tickers and stressing me out and I thought this is not for me so uh, you know I had some good highs with forex trading took it out um, you know, had some lows uh, as you can expect but yeah it, it was just really stressful um, and I decided to take more of a longer term view as, as you say there and went with Hargreaves Lansdowne Hargreaves and Lansdowne uh, stocks and shares ISA uh, where I, you know, just putting in a small amount each month and then choosing where I, I want to to invest that. 
with the sound knowledge of I might look once a week at it um, but I know because I know the end goal is years and years in the future rather than just hey have I made a few quid today uh, have I not so that's 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 certainly how I've done that and I know you know there's a loads of different apps out there for, for, for people to choose but um, and please only only invest what you can afford to lose because essentially you could uh, lose it all so again this is not advice coming back to um your your business um how did things change for aag come march when we we're all everything's happy you know we're watching this thing from a thousand miles away and then boom you've got to send everybody home and the world changes what did that look like for for aag uh, well, actually, it's a, it's a really interesting time. And obviously, we you know we we conformed to what was required uh, of us uh, as an employer. So everyone went home, worked from home. Um, but we'd, uh, funnily enough, the irony we'd been having discussions with um, our employees about could they work from home pre before Christmas, and could they start doing a couple of days from home. And you know, we were client-facing business, so we need to kind of be in the office seeing clients. Mm. And across the board, we actually thought that we're better being in the office. Um, and that was the case for everybody and we shouldn't make special uh, dispensations for people in different roles and so uh, we had a bit of a hardish line that actually we'll, we'll work from the office and five days a week and this is the working way uh, march came then all of a sudden we went and started working from home um you know everyone through laptops or uh, desktops uh, and client meetings through zoom and and what came to pass was actually we realized that we could operate actually still relatively well uh, in fact extremely well from home uh, everyone was dialed into Zoom calls. Clients were delighted they weren't having to travel in. Um, the back office systems all worked really well. Um, I only had a few issues with my own Wi-Fi, but apart from that, you know, we were we were back up and running um, in no time. You know, testament to the team we've got here. You know, for getting all the tech um, in place. Um, so actually, we were able to carry on, and you know, clients get nervous at times of uncertainty. So when it came to the availability of the furlough scheme. Uh, we decided actually we're not going to make anyone furloughed in this business. Uh, we've got a large client bank that needs looking after more so than ever because of the, the volatility. And so by us furloughing people to save costs is going to impact how we can look after clients. So we're really keen not to do that and to keep everyone motivated to looking after um, our clients. Yeah, I mean, the last thing I guess I would want to get a sense of if if I've invested my money in you is you've sent everybody home, nobody's there to answer my call, I'm worried about what's happening to my money, uh, are people keeping an eye on the markets, you know, if, if they're furloughed they can't be working and, and so that's that's reassuring this, Stuart, um, uh, fantastic and all credit to you for, for doing that. And that's not to say that we didn't have challenges, you know, um, Certainly, you know, we, we spend a lot of time thinking about our culture here. We're very inclusive. We encourage our staff to do lots of uh, exams and upskill. Uh, we have quite clear career paths for them to follow. Uh, and a lot of, and we do quite a bit of training in the office as well for our, for our team. Of course, doing that virtually is really tricky. And mm. we found that probably the hardest thing to keep up the, you know, the team culture, the team values. Uh, and make sure people are still, you know, improving and upskilling. You know, it's really difficult when you've got, you know, 30 people on a Zoom call and you're trying to, you know, upskill people and find out what the feelings are. And we found that really difficult, uh, to be honest. And I think probably 
we lost some time uh, in that process uh, where perhaps we weren't as hands-on as we needed to be. We weren't uh, in front of our team as much as we wanted to be because of you know, mixing of homeschooling and exercise and lunch with work. You know, my working day, you know, got um, decimated because of you know, trying to homeschool, homeschool two kids, building right. an hour and a half of exercise, uh, you know, have a break for lunch, you know, um, a whole range of different stuff. Uh, because four of us were at home rather than me sat in an office able to get on with stuff. So, yeah, that was certainly a challenge for us. Um, yeah, I was just, just going to come on to that on, you know, on, on a personal level. Um, you know, it sounds like you did some fantastic things for, for your employees and um, instilled confidence in them that they were going to be okay as much as you can, as much as you can. You know, you have to be honest with people. You know, we're going to do everything we can to you know, have as little disruption as possible and so you can carry on working and you know we need to reassure people you know that's all fine um but when it came to you you know and you've now come from working in that central london role traveling in daily you know that daily commute and now you're now you're at home um the motivators are very different and i say the distractions are very different i, I shared on a previous episode here that I'm, I'm used to working from home, uh, but the distractions for me were my wife was here, the nanny was here, we've got a, uh, a, a one-year-old now. So there's all that noise and kerfuffle and commotion going on um, that I wasn't used to. Uh, even though I've got my separate office here, I'm fortunate enough to, to, to have that. You know, I still found that um, hugely distracting. So what, 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 uh, how did it go down for you, as you say, with wife working from home uh, and to very active kids let's say <laughs> uh, yeah. very lively we were i mean the logistics of the household took a while to settle down um you know my wife uh was working you know non-stop she works for a u.s software company so she was doing you know a whole range of different hours um on calls a lot of the time anyway um i had to build in my my working day which is you know a lot dealing with clients plus dealing with the team here and thinking about how do we you know maneuver the business to still be functional in, in lockdown um and so you know and then dealing with a 12 year old girl who's homeschooling herself which actually she did really well um but trying to run around after a nine-year-old now 10-year-old little lad was very very tricky and time consuming because he was at home and he didn't want to do his english or his maths he'd rather just sit and watch telly or play or whatever it is so you know that was a real a real challenge and certainly a, a test on um any parents and patients is spending that much time with their own children and trying to educate them and keep them alive and keep them fit and keep them well and fed. Um, you know, big hats off to teachers because they do a great job with a classroom of 20 of these little loves. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, clearly you're a numbers man, you know, you're in the financial industry. But you know, when I've seen uh, the homework of some of my family members, young, younger kids, I'm left scratching my head thinking, you know, we did nothing like this thing at school and I have no idea what the answer is. <laughs> <laughs> luckily I can help on the maths department and luckily right. I want to get involved in the in the English and the language side so we're actually a pretty good balance balance act. Um, good and what, what did the what did the um the the health uh side of things you know so the the mental health for yourself and, and the family but the physical health what did what shape did that take what, what sort of activities yes. So obviously we needed to make sure that the kids got regular exercise as we did as, as adults, because you've got to keep your mind uh, you know, in pretty good shape. And that does mean taking a break and getting out and about and getting fresh air. So we tended to get out and about. We did a lot of cycling 
um, around where we live in Surrey. We did quite a lot of walking with the kids uh, and around some of the forests that we're looking to have near us. Uh, and that was vital, you know, we had to have breaks. There were times where if you didn't get sufficient breaks, and I've seen this with other clients, um, you just get drawn into staring at your screen for all day long. You know, we're having an office now and the lighting is designed to enable you to sit and look at the screen for most of the days. Mm -hmm. You know, we were sat at home with home domestic lighting, which probably isn't, you know, quite conducive to that. So, you know, it took us a while to get used to, to that um, and, you know, building an exercise routine as well. You know, I had a turbo trainer set up in the garage to try and keep me going there as well. Um, there, it, it was tricky, you know, real difficult balancing act. Um, and you managed to get on the golf course a few times, I imagine? Uh, well, when the golf course opened, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. you know, it took a while for that to come through as well. But, yeah, absolutely, you know, as part of, you know, the work-life balance that I have, um, you know, that, that is something that I, you know, hold quite dear and gives me that time to be out of the office, clear my mind a bit, mm. um, get a good walk and some fresh air while hitting a little white ball around as well. Yeah, uh, I, I did feel fortunate that that was a sport that uh, that I played and, and and you played as well. That um, it was one of the first to be opened back up because of its uh, its ability to get people out in their you know, fresh air and you're not in close proximity to other people. Although at times when you look at the car park and on the first tee and then put, putting green for those first few weeks while people were just sort of headless chickens that didn't know where to be, what to do, and the clubs themselves were figuring it all out. And how do we adapt to not have groups of people congregating in the car park, having a beer after the after the golf, or 50 people on the putting green and a roll up ready to golf and all that kind of stuff. So that that uh, definitely had to adapt. Uh, the mental sharpness for for me, um, I chose to. Um, do, do a couple of things. Painting uh, was one of the things, and uh, I recently shared with you uh, a painting that I, that I, that I did. Um, but reading was is, is also something which I think all of us can do. You know, books, whether it be new or even used. You, know, you can go into your charity shops on the high street now and, and get books for for uh, for next to nothing. But reading, I think, really does keep us sharp. It it, it gets us thinking. Um, and gives us ideas, uh, yeah, new ways of doing things, uh, new perspectives, uh, and and even reading controversial things, stuff that you disagree with, uh, by authors that you don't really like because they say stuff that that aren't to your core values. For me, you know, that's how you become more knowledgeable, wiser, and can have better conversations with people when you understand different opinions on stuff. Um, and that's why I'm currently reading The Future of Capitalism by Paul Collier. And, you know, he's talking here about the polarization between the rich and the poor. Um, it's, it's, it's getting worse, you know, uh, the, the, the rich are getting richer and having that money to invest does make you richer generally and you can make better you, know, you can make better decisions you have the ability to make decisions about your financial future when you do have the the money um and right now the the people that are less well off feel hugely squeezed you know their their livelihoods have been taken away with with this uh, covid situation they're earning far less money or no money at all uh, and any money they do earn, they feel it's just being taxed to the hilt, uh, whether it be 
income tax, capital gains tax, VAT, all these different things. Um, so, so, so it's an interesting one there. Um, I guess the, the, the difference is uh, to to the, the average person, they're just trying to survive now. You know, just like you know, we are in business, but it, it, talking about you know, on a human level, I would say 90% of the planet, well, 99%, if you believe the 1% are the wealthy, 99 are just trying to survive. Um, whereas they, there's still a sense of that 1% of tax dodging, or one might say being tax efficient, I think is the, the right way of, of putting it. So that's that's an interesting read. You know, lots of controversial stuff in there, and I'm pretty sure I won't agree with uh, a, a good chunk of it. Um, but it's definitely got me thinking. Um, launched in 2018, incidentally. Uh, how about you? Have you got any good books that you've been reading lately? Yeah, I try and mix up my reading to a mixture of kind of business management strategy books, but also, you know, a decent novel every now and again. So, um, you know, talking about this disparity of, of wealth, I'm currently reading a, a book called Shantaram uh, by Gregory Roberts, which is brilliant, um, based in uh, Bombay. Um, and it's just fantastically written. It's a, it's a big old book. So it's taken me a while to get through. Um, but it's so well written, um, you do get a feel that you, you're in India with the smells and the colours and the culture and the dancing. It's, it's beautifully written. Um, and some of it is set in the slums in India and you get a you know, real good um, descriptive um, image in your mind of what it is like to live in these, in these places. Um, but the, the individuals and the way it's written is great. The individuals and the characters that um, the author talks about are just happy, smiley, lovely people um, who care about each other so it's a really good read um so uh and I, I love reading books about different cultures and different countries so i think it broadens the mind a little um so shantaram's a great a great book to have a look at um and the other one um uh, the five dysfunctions of a team by um uh, an author called patrick uh Lencioni. i don't know if you've read it lee but it's um again a, a great book um he's, he's written you know quite a few books about management and there's some bits in there about um, you know how a team should function together well, and it's a bit about you know having trust, um, but also being vulnerable and being able to talk about the problems you have, um, you know, committing to the type of work that you're doing, and and being accountable. And I think certainly as we went through the last six months um, as a management team, you know, kind of that accountability piece um, really shone through. That it's down to us to make sure this business survives. We keep the culture up and running. We look after our clients, uh, and that comes down to us. So, and we can't shy away from that or start passing the book or it's someone else's role. Yeah, Paul. Yeah. Paul uh, Colley makes an interesting point in in, in here because he talks about um, generally, you know, as a as a human race, you know, we need to be together with like-minded people. You know, so that's why these metropolises and cities work well you know and businesses sort of all congregate in in cities because having uh like-minded companies uh like-minded people you know when you're going out for lunch or, or or socializing you're socializing with people in the same uh that are in the similar positions to you that tends to breed more more, more success or uh, people need that kind of interaction with people of a similar ilk um, and of course now that, that's gone uh whether it be for the medium long term i don't know but that you know that's that's completely completely changed and so it'd be interesting to see uh the next 6 12 18 months uh, and beyond 
how that you know what effect that has on on people because especially if you think you know if you're in a sales environment you bounce off other people right you need that camaraderie you need to be in that office uh, in that office space listening to conversations of people next to you you know hey you know I've not heard that said that way before uh, I'll use that um, you know, so whilst it might be okay for people like finance and you know and operations to be working from home I get the sense the picture for the future is going to be more salespeople to, together uh, in, in an office which then uh, lends itself to well what what is the world going to do with all this office space that isn't going to be used you know they've built all you know these metropolises with all this office space which now isn't going to be populated perhaps even 50 percent 60 percent who knows you know I'd, I'd like to see that um, turned into more affordable housing for example um, to try and help solve some of the some of the housing crisis yeah it's, it's, it's an interesting one you know um how much do the you know the, these this office space you know i think you know when it comes to most mainly retail and you know industrial units you know they'll they'll keep operating um, yeah. you know the deliveries is, is gone through the roof the likes of amazon um but when it comes to office space it'll be really interesting as to how this is going to pan out and um, because i do think there'll be a reduction in the number of headcount that go into office space um but as a responsible office you know a bit like we are here do we have to have more space per head so actually from a office that would let's say fit a thousand people in um if you're now only going to put 500 people in are you going to still need the same amount of space because you're gonna have to square everyone out a bit more or even for 250 people do you need the same space for a thousand um right. so that's gonna be really interesting to see how people get back into the office and whether they continue on with that cost base um, I was reading an article the other day again about how companies might start looking about using their office space much better and thinking about their well-being of their employees. Um, mm. And so could you have a you know a health studio or a yoga room or whatever it is, a library? So actually in your working day, you can go and take a bit of time out, read a book, have a break, do some exercise, keep fit and well, keep the mind going in the right way. And that becomes what does an office now look like? Absolutely. And, um, and my, my final point around that sort of thing is more around there's a temptation uh, as a business owner to say, well, OK, well, if I've proved that my business can run remotely, do I actually need those people to be in the UK? So there's a temptation for offshoring um, uh, and using offshore skills, which you know adds to diversity, adds to sharing the, the, the global economy. But I think right now you know we need to be looking after the people we've got um and making sure that there's job security for, for them you know i think the minute we start to try and say well all right well we've proved your job can be done remote thank you very much we're gonna uh outsource your role to a another country you know that's um i'm not certainly not advocating that i mean my business does use offshoring but that was pre all of this and that's just uh, it, it's just part of my team is is offshore um some some you know we're, we're, we're a global company and, and we've got resources all around the world um so i haven't made that decision because of this situation it was part of my strategy bit, bit beforehand um so yeah fascinating point um i guess in in closing this to what do you think the next six to 12 months looks like look like for you and and, and your business uh, what sort of strategies and plans are you putting in place well we're, we're still you know um keen to grow um 
AAG, we're still going, you know, so we do some corporate work as well. So we'll go into companies, uh, which used to be going and doing physical uh, seminars and talking to their employees about finances and for them to take a bit of control and just some hints and tips on how they can improve. Um, and we've still been doing that, but just virtually, which seems to be working. I did one um, just yesterday. So we're still looking to continue to grow the business. We've actually got, um, we uh, recruited someone who's starting next month um who we had three zoom calls with haven't actually met them face to face so slightly different view for us um but we're still looking to grow the business people still need help you know going through difficult times you know there's about 3.6 million people about to come off the furlough scheme um whether they'll all go back into employment or not we'll have to wait and see um you know they'll need help with their finances we'll probably have a budget coming up at some point in the next 12 months november's one's been deferred you know, that's going to change the tax rules because we need to, you know, the, the UK need to basically earn back some of that money that was spent on the furlough scheme. So there'll be tax changes um, coming up that people need to understand. So, you know, there's still a big requirement for people to understand their finances. And, you know, we need our own finances to, you know, to live off, to retire on. You know, so it's really important for us to, you know, to keep thinking about the financial piece. So, yeah, we'll keep growing. Um bit by bit you know there's more clients who need looking after that's for sure uh, and things will only continue to get more complicated with tax changes we've got a budget brexit there's always something so you know we'll we'll carry on and keep supporting our clients fantastic i mean the, the brexit one's definitely one for for another day another week uh maybe another year or lifetime uh, who knows stuart it's been fantastic chatting with you uh, as always um some great uh, concepts in there, some uh, things that, that we can uh, perhaps use in our daily, daily lives. Uh, again, this hasn't been financial advice, so please don't base any of your investments on, on what you've heard from today. Um, but, you know, uh, if you want to uh, set some money aside for, for that future, think long term, you know, there are ways in which you can reduce the, the risk of uh, uh, of lose, losing your money, um, speak to a reputable financial advisor. Um, yeah, um, thanks very much. Uh, connect with Stuart Hudson of AAG on LinkedIn, uh, follow his posts and his business. Uh, I've been Lee Nightingale, and thank you very much for joining us on another business source.